you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, it's, it's always a privilege to be here and to share the Word of God with you. And We're going to be in Joshua chapter 23. And so if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open, open it there. And What we're looking at, what we're dealing with today is living in the blessing of God. Living in the blessing of God. And there are certain things that are very important there. And we're going to see those things here in that 23rd chapter, but there, you'll find these, these basic truths throughout the Word of God. Um, in order, if we're going to live in the blessing of God, we're going to live according to the Spirit of God, there are certain requirements that God requires from us. And, and again, there are a few of those things that are going to be portrayed here as we go through this. But the first thing that we're going to see here in, in living in the blessing of God, it means, and we have to recognize this, that it's not about us. It's about God. It's not about us. It's about God. Lord, as we go and look into your word here this morning... May we understand the requirements that you have laid out in order to be in your blessing. To be covered by your wings, to, to live in, in your shadow, Heavenly Father. Lord, I just ask and pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead us this day. Touch our hearts as only you can do. And Lord, may we be responsive and leave here closer to you than when we came. And may you guide us through this week with the appointments that you already have planned for each and every person here to speak your name, you speak your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. So as we look at this, these first two verses in Joshua 23, verse 1 and 2, it says, And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies that are round about, and that Joshua waxed old and was stricken in age. And Joshua called on all Israel. Now that word and there, it, it's not in the original. That's why it's hyphenated. But he called on all Israel for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. So this, this is the group that he called. He called the leadership of Israel together, Joshua did. Now, chapter 24, we're going to find out that Joshua calls all Israel together, okay? The whole congregation. But this time, he's calling the leadership together. The elders, the heads of the, of the family, the judges, the officers. And said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And so, what we see here in these first two verses, when we're dealing about living in the blessing of God, and that it's not about us, it's about God, is that, one, Joshua's old and stricken in age. So many years have passed since they entered the land of promise when they crossed the Jordan River. It probably took, if they figured, maybe seven years to fight off their enemies that inhabited Canaan. It probably took another 13 years 
to divide the land to all the tribes, and then for those tribes to go out in their possession and conquer the cities that were in their, their own possessions. And so it's probably 20-some years later, Joshua here is, is at the age of 110 years old before he dies. And so, and it says here that he is calling the elders together after the land has been at rest. Otherwise, all the, all the tribes, they've done what they can do up to this point, they're, then they've been at rest. They've been farming. They've been doing their thing. Enjoying the blessing of God probably for several years. And now Joshua realizes, and maybe the Lord has told him that, that here I'm, uh, your, your life is, is going to be done, so you need to call the people together. And he wants to give them a final word before he dies. Now, this is something that's important for us to realize, Okay? Joshua here says, he didn't, he didn't call everyone together and sit there and we're going to find out as we read through this chapter. He didn't call everyone together and say, all right, guys, I want you, I want you, I'm getting ready to go. And, uh, but I want you to remember all the things I did. Let's have a big party for me. And so I'm, I'm getting ready to head out, right? That's not what he does. What he does is, is he calls the elders first and says, he starts to be telling them, remember what God has done for you. See, we need to pass on a final blessing to our families, to our loved ones, like Joshua was doing here. It also says that, that Joshua served the Lord until when? He retired? No. Until he breathes his last breath. See, I don't read anywhere scripture where Christians have a retirement date until we serve breathe our last breath we should be doing the lord's work now that work may change but we should be doing the lord's work until the day that god takes us home doesn't matter how old we are doesn't matter how good or how bad our health may be as long as we have breath we are to serve the lord and see we have to understand that too often we think, well, I'm too old to do that now. My health isn't good enough to do this, do this anymore. Really? Are you still breathing? Then God has a plan for you. And you know what I look at? You look at Moses, look at Joshua, look at Caleb, look, look at these guys. They did more for God in their latter years than they ever did during their prime. Something to think about. You're only too old or don't have good enough health because you think that, you believe that. And folks, that's not God putting those thoughts in your mind. We serve the Lord until we, until he takes, until we give our last breath. And so what Joshua does is he, he is going to remind these leaders about all the works of God that the Lord had done on their behalf. And that's what we're going to see in this chapter. He's going to remind them about the Jordan crossing, the battles that were fought, the long day, the hail that God had given, all the victories. And again, at no time do you ever see Joshua saying, look what I did. Remember me. You know, he says, remember what the Lord has done. Remember what, he, what the Lord has done. 
You've got to remember now, Joshua is a type of Christ, right? We know that from the New Testament. And this is how Jesus did things. With Jesus, it's never about me. Never about Jesus. It's about the Father. Always about the Father. Matthew 5, 16, it says, Jesus said this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify me. No. And glorify the Father, which is in heaven. And this is the Son of God. This is Jesus who is saying this. How much, how often do we get things messed up in our own lives because we didn't get the praise or the accolades that we thought we should have gotten? Because of all the work we put into this event or that event, folks, when that happens, it shows our heart was not right in the first place. See, Jesus always ministered in such a way that people would glorify the Father. And that's how we're to do it. That's how Joshua did it. That's how Moses did it. That's how we're to do it. And so living in the blessing of God means it's not about us. It's about God and his work. That's the first thing. Now, the second thing we see in, in verses 3 and 5 of our text is that living in the blessing of God requires us, and it's already been mentioned, to remember what God has done. See, too often we forget what God did for us last year or five years ago. We forget. And we should really remember those things. Remember where we are at and where God was at and when he brought us through those things. And see, what Joshua is, 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 is going to be saying here is you need to remember them so you can pass those stories on to your children. Because as you get into the book of Judges later on, we're going to find out that a generation raises, is raised up that doesn't know anything about what God did. Whose fault's that? The parents' fault for not passing those, really their faith on to their children. But in verse 3 and 5 it says, And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that fought for you. Now, you notice Joshua is not saying, he's not reminding them of crossing the Red Sea. They weren't alive during that time frame. All right? He's reminding them of what the Lord did in their lives. See, as Christians, we should be able to draw upon experience in our own lives or what God has done in our lives and share them with our family. Do you have those times when God did something in your life that you can share with your family? Where God fought for you? Verse 4, Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them out from out of your sight and you shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised unto you. Now there's, there's, there's a truth that's here. 
When we remember what God has done, to live in God's blessing, we have to remember what God's done, and we'll remember something, we'll remember, should remember two things. First, God is always faithful to do what he says he's going to do. And we, went, we began to reflect back and remember how God has led us through hardships in our, in our lives and so, so forth. We'll remember that God has been faithful to me. He has never dropped the ball. He is 100% faithful. He is the one, remember, he is the one that fights for us. According to Romans 8.31, it says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? When we remember what God has done in our lives, then we remember that nothing's impossible with God. All things are possible. And, and that, should be, that should come true. See, God is the one that's going to expel our enemies. God's the one that's going to help us overcome these sinful habits or these situations in our lives. God's the one that does that. He drives them out from before us. We, though, must only believe and stand firm in the faith that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And that it's we who must occupy, who must possess the land that God has cleared out. When God clears out that closet that nobody else knows about in our heart, in our heart we need to move in and allow the Holy Spirit to fill that closet with him instead of the junk that we, we, we were hiding in our heart, that sin, that whatever it's there. See, it's, there's a difference between just believing God and having obedient faith in God. See, obedient faith means, Lord, you said you're going to do this. Okay, I believe it, so I'm heading that direction. Boom, I'm going. There's action. Action is involved. Believing God, well, Lord, yeah, I do believe that. You said that. Yep, just show me now. I'm waiting. And there's no action, which shows you really don't believe because there's no action. Faith is always an action. It's always an action. See, by believing God's promise and doing exactly what the Lord told them to do. That is why it's so important to remember what God has done for you. Remember. Remember. See, believing the word from the Lord and then stepping out and faith and obedience to accomplish what God has said he's going to do, knowing that, Lord, I can't do that, but that's the way you want me to go. Moses knew that, Lord, I can't divide this Red Sea, but that's what you want me to do. I'll hold my staff up, and I'll pronounce it. See, that's what we got to do. That's what we have to do. Believe and step, step out in faith. Okay? So important. Unfortunately, though, sometimes, what did Israel do? He said, God told him, told Moses, told Joshua, said, go into the land and destroy all the, all, all the cities, all the nations that are there. 
all the people. Because if you don't, they're going to be a hindrance to you. And we're going to see that as we go on. We're going to find out as you go into Judges that instead of destroying all the enemy, instead they subjugated him. Oh, look, we can, we can make them, all the other kings over here, instead of destroying, they just draw a tax from them. We can, hey, that can be a moneymaker for us. It became a big business to the nation of Israel, basically. Instead of following God's word. And there were snares and traps to the nation. See, God will always do his part, but we must ensure we do our part. And their part was to take possession of the land that God had cleared out for them. Take possession of it. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15 says, What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray with understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding also. Paul here is given an example. Okay? Now, 12, 13, and 14 all talks about spiritual gifts. And so what Paul here is talking about, he's talking about you, you can walk in the faith or you can walk in the flesh. Okay? He's simply teaching that there's a balance between what the Spirit tells you he's going to do and what the flesh is willing to accept. See, we must be obedient to the truth we have been given through the Word of God. And that requires us to deny the flesh. Because if we don't deny the flesh, God will not move forward in our lives. God says, I'm going this direction. And we say, all right, Lord, show me. I'm going to wait here for you. When you get over there, then I'll start coming. No. Take that step of faith in that direction. That's what has to happen. So you have to deny the flesh. So that's why Paul says, yes, pray with the Spirit, but at the same time pray with understanding. Understanding what your responsibility is. To do your part. God will do his part. We must do our part. That's what's important. First Corinthians 9.27 says, No, I keep on beating my body and making it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified. See, Paul understood this, this nature of the flesh that we're in. And he, he would beat his body daily, not physically, but spiritually. He would put his flesh in subjection to the Spirit of God in, their, in his life. So when the Spirit said, we're going here, he says, okay. And he starts going there. Whereas the flesh says, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't, you don't want to go back into that city that just threw you out by the gate and stoned you. You want to go back inside there? No. But the Spirit says, go back inside. And Paul says, be quiet, flesh. I'm following the Spirit of God. See, that's what has to take place. That's what's so important in our lives. And Joshua here was telling these leaders that he called that God had expelled the Canaanites. He's going to drive them out from your land. But you, Israel, you leaders, need to take possession of your lands, your inheritance. 
Don't allow any inhabitants to stay. Now, God didn't expect them to do that over, 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 over real, real quickly, over one time. No, God expected that to take place over a long period of time. Because he knew the land was too big, at, at, how, how small the people were to enable to inhabit at all. And so they, they should have had a plan. Lord, today we've got what to do, but next year we'll take that city. The year after, then we'll take that city. And the year after, the next generation, if they keep doing they'll take that city and that city and that city and follow God's plan, but they didn't do that. Instead, they made it, it was just easier to subjugate many of the cities. And that wasn't God's plan. See, God expects us to do, us, to do our part when it comes to spiritual warfare. We must do our part. And after all, they crossed over Jordan, so all this is spiritual warfare. Trusting God to do what he says. And in us, being obedient through our faith and moving in that direction. And so living in the blessing of God means it's not about us. The flesh wants to make it about us. It's about God. But also living in the, spirit, in the blessing of God requires us to remember what God has done. Because if you remember what God has done, then you realize it was God that did those things, not us. God was the one that destroyed Jericho. God was the one that destroyed Ai. God was the, was the one that destroyed those five armies. God was the one that, that had the moon stand on one side and, and, and the sun stood on the other side. It was God doing all those things. And so if you, if you remember what God has done, you'll know it was God doing these things. And then, oh, and all we have to do is possess. Oh, the Lord, I can handle that. I can do that. That's what's important. The third thing that's required, and we've already alluded to it, but it's, but it's here, is living in the blessing of God requires obedience to the ways of God. To the ways of God, how God does things. God's ways are not, my way, are not our ways, right? God's ways are so much loftier than our ways. Our ways says, man, I... We can, I can go talk to these three or four people over here and, and witness to them. And God says, no, I want you over here talking to that one person that's going to lead 10,000 to Christ. See, God's ways don't make sense to us because they're his ways. And that's what we see here in verse 6 of our text. Be therefore very courageous, and listen to these next, these next five words, to keep and to do. All that is written in the book of the law of Moses. That you turn not aside, therefore, to the right hand or to the left. Now, this is where we fall short so often. What's so wrong with going to the right hand a little bit here, to the left hand a little bit here? It's, well, what's wrong with it is called compromise. God is not a God of compromise, it's His ways or not. There's no middle ground. Obedience to the word is what is required, not simply knowledge of the word. And we find that in Matthew 5, 19. It says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall, here's that word again, do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, 
And, and, and that passage of scripture right there, those that are there are all going to heaven. But do you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? Or least in the kingdom of heaven? Do you want to have God's rewards? Or do you want to have no rewards? See, it's all about doing what the Lord God has shown you he wants you to do. About stepping out in faith, about being obedient to the ways of God. You've probably all heard this story, and I'll probably, and I'll probably get the guy wrong. Um, but there was a, this is a real small church, big, big snowstorm taking place. And this young man trudged through it, got there. Nobody else was there. Just a, a deacon, another deacon, a deacon had made it there and said, well, somebody needs to preach. So deacon, I'll, I'll preach. Just the one or two people that were there. This one, this one was this young man. And he's made it simple. Jesus died for your sin. He rose again. And, you know, he's God. Very simple, five-minute message. And that young man came forward and gave, gave his life to Christ. I believe that was Dwight L. Moody. It might have been someone else. I can't remember exactly who it was, but someone who went and became a great man of God. See, anybody else would have said, we, we understand that. Hey, it's snowing too much. Oh, we just canceled, canceled services today. Too icy, you know. You never know what God's going to do. God's ways are not our ways. Now, he may lay on our heart for certain people to stay home. Now, I understand that. But if he prompts your heart, hey, you need to be there, be there. Follow his ways. Revelation 22, verse 14 says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, and that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. See, if we are not doers of the word, then we become those who readily compromise the word of God. They justify their lack of obedience by, well, it's okay, everyone does it. And we can't be compromisers of the word of God. And they compromise for their own gain. James 1 and 2, James 1, 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving who? Yourself. That's why we become, we become compromisers, because we're deceiving ourselves that it's okay. We need to be doers. Now, another thing about, about being, you know, is there needs to be a separation from the world as well. There has to be a separation of the, from the world. And see, that, 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 that is so important. If we're going to be obedient to the ways of God, there has to be a separation of the world. Not only are we to be doers, but there's a separation of the world. See, when you compromise the word, the next step is to join ourselves to the world. And that's what we do. And this is what Israel did 
And God ultimately removed them from the land. That's important. Don't compromise with the culture that you're in. Culture changes all the time. God's word doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't compromise with the culture. Folks, I'm going to tell you, in fact, ignorance to sin is a blessing. Ignorance to sin is a blessing. You don't need to build your testimony, okay? By doing, well, I need, how can I witness to that person over there unless I understand what they're going through? No, you don't need to understand what they're going through. You need to understand the word of God and the love of God, and they'll want what you see, what they have, what they, what you see, what they'll want, what they see in you, and that's Christ. Verse seven, and verse twelve of our text says that ye come not among these nations. Here's here's the compromise: don't go among the nations. These that remain among you, Joshua saying, I know you've all conquered up to out to so far. But don't come among the other nations. Your job is to go and destroy them. Go and destroy them. Don't compromise later on once I'm gone. But they did. Neither make mention of the names of their gods. Otherwise, you don't need to know who their, who their gods are. You shouldn't know anything about them other than God said, go destroy those nations. That's all you need to know nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. See what happens when you learn the names of the nations of their God? It's it's a a step step downward, okay? You learn about the names of the God, then you start to swear by them, then you begin to serve them, then you begin to bow down to them. It's a process. It's a process. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. Goes on, verse 12 then, else, and here's, here's, what, here's what happens later, if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, that word cleave is the same word used between a husband and wife. They be, the two become one flesh. You start to do these things, start to go that direction, then you'll begin to cleave unto them that remain among you and shall make marriages with them and go in unto them and they to you. See, what happens is Satan attacks our moral compass, our character. That's the first thing that goes when we begin to compromise with doing things God's way. Instead, we do things our own way. We compromise, we, instead of separating ourselves from the world, we compromise the word. We compromise his word, then we compromise with the world, and we cleave unto them. See, our affection is to be for the Lord, to cleave to the Lord and his ways. But yet, verse 8 of our text says, But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done until this day. Oh, what Joshua says, up to this point, you've all done a good job. You've been following the word of God. You've been destroying the nations. You've been doing those things. But don't stop here. When I'm gone, continue to do what you're supposed to be doing. Don't cleave to them. Don't even know what they're God. Don't don't have anything to do with them. Don't trade with them. Don't do anything with them until the time comes for you to go and have victory over them. See, Joshua learned his lesson. 
He made some mistakes. Why? Because he failed to go to the Lord in prayer. That happened at AI. If he wouldn't went to the Lord in prayer, the Lord would have said, no, they're, they're deceiving you. It happened with Gibeon. If he would have went to the Lord in prayer, God would have said, you know, these guys here are deceiving you. AI, he would, they, would, they would have known that Achan had sinned. Okay? They'd have known those things if Joshua would have done that. He's just like we are. How many times do we go to the Lord in prayer before we make a big decision? I think sometimes we fail to do that. See, we have to remember that the Lord, has, in verse 9, that the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong, but as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you all this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. Think about this. You and God, you're a majority of wherever you're at. Wherever you're at, whatever circumstances you're going through, if it's you and God, you're a majority. You have nothing to worry about. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you. See, that's what's so important. Love the Lord only by spending time with him. Verse 11, take good heed therefore unto yourselves that you love the Lord your God. The first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. If you are hold to that, you will fulfill all the law and prophets. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, you don't have to have all that knowledge back there. It's good to have if the Spirit of God is teaching you this. But love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's God's agape love we're talking about. It's not a fleshly love. And you'll fulfill everything. But now, Joshua goes on and says, now here's, here's, here's the downside. Here's the downside. Living without the blessing of God. He said there may be many that you may choose to live without God's blessing, and that's your choice. See, not living in, in the blessing of God results from turning away from God. And if you want to know if you turned away from God, well, here's some very simple things he says. First of all, in verse 13, that know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. Wow. And I had no doubt his mind went back to Ai. Wow, we went in there, that's just a small, podunk, nothing town, and we couldn't do it until we got our life right. We got rid of the sin in the camp, and then we were able to. So you'll no longer have victory in battle when it comes to spiritual battle. You won't have victory. Why? Because you will lack God's wisdom and God's discernment in the choices you make. And the choices you make are going to be they may sound wonderful and great, and everybody else says, yeah, this is the way to go, but it's not God's way, and you're going to fail in those, in those choices. It may not be quick. It may be long-term. After all, the nation of Israel didn't get driven out of their land until several, several hundred years later. Okay? 
You no longer have victory in battle. You're also going to suffer hardships because of the, the decisions, the choices that you make, because you're not following God's way, you're following man's way, you're following the flesh. Verse 13, the second part of that is, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, scourges in your side, thorns in your eye. And all I have to do is look what happened to Jesus when he took on sin. He took our sin upon himself. That very same thing happened, thorns in his eye, scourges on the side, whips. I mean, that's what happened. See, that's the work of sin, and that's what sin will do to you and I should we turn away from God's ways. Sin does what? One thing, it leads to death. That's a promise from God. You'll be... And then the third thing that you'll see, you'll, you'll no longer have victory in battle. You'll suffer hardships. And it says, you're going to be driven from the land. You're going to lose everything. Be driven from the land. That's the last part of verse 13. Until you perish from off this good land. Now, they use that phrase, good land, three times. Good land. Why? Because it's God's blessed land. It's God's best for you is what you're turning away from. And you're going to be driven away from God's best. Look at the nation of Israel. See, a people without a land are helpless before those who have a land. And that's exactly what took place with the Assyrians in 722 and the Babylonians in 586 when they drove out nation of Israel, from off their land. Look what happened with, with, in world, with, with the Nazis in World War II and the Jews. Why? Because they had rejected their God. And then Stalin, we see all these things taking place. You know, the Jews, there's no people, no people group anywhere in the world, in the history of the world, that's ever been, been more persecuted than the Jews. And it's all about God told them this is going to happen if you start to follow your own ways and not my ways. And so we have to realize living in the blessing of God it requires us to make a choice. You are the only one that can keep yourself from living in the blessing of God. You are the only one that can help yourself to stay in the blessing of God. Nobody else can do that for you. You and you alone by the choice that you make. The choice that you make. And we just need to be aware, and that's what Joshua here is warning the leadership about. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because the adversary of the devil, like a roaring lion, Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan has all the time in the world, for a while anyway. He has the time to say, all right, I may not get you, but because of what you're doing here, I'll get your kids. Because you're compromised right here, I can get your grandkids. That's why it's so important that we stay in the blessing of God all of our life. He's warning them. And he's doing it because he loves them. 
And he doesn't want them to fall prey to all the curses that God laid out for them on Mount Ebal in, verse, in chapter 7. He wants them to experience the blessings that God put about Mount Gerizim. But again, it's their choice. It's their choice. Verse 14, it says, Behold, this day I go, I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. What a statement. And the elders and people he was talking to, leaders, they knew that. They knew that truth. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed. See, Joshua confirms God's faithfulness to the elders. But as we go on to verse 15, we see that he also reminds them of what rejecting the Lord will bring upon them. And see, this is what, we, as Joshua did to the nation of Israel, this is what we must do to our kids, grandkids, whatever, whoever those people are that are in our, our sphere of influence. That's what we need to do. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all good things that are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things until he hath destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. See, God's the one that brings the good, the blessings upon us. But he's also the one that brings the bad, the curses upon us when we fail to follow God's ways. If you want to call it, this is kind of a, co a cause and effect covenant that God has made. And it applies to us today as Christians. Live in the spirit or live in the flesh. Our choice. Our choice. In the final verse, verse 16, when you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have done the servant of the gods, and bowed yourselves unto them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly off of this good land which he has given to you. You see, Joshua here, he, he's telling them like it is. He's telling them the good as well as the bad. And that's what we have to do as children of God. We can't sugarcoat things. We don't need to be beating the Bible over people's heads, but we need to speak the truth in love to them, and they'll receive that if, if, if our love is right. If our love is right, they'll receive it. That's why make sure that what you're doing is in the love of God, doing things God's way and not your own way. Today, if the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart, because maybe you haven't been compromising, you haven't been living in the blessing of God like you should be doing, once again, it's your choice. You know, people say, well, there's no, going down the altar doesn't, doesn't change anything. You're right, it doesn't change anything. Unless when you come down, your heart's in the right place. And you're allowing God to change you from the inside. Then it changes everything. 
But if God's been tugging at your heart, that's what this altar's for. That's what this time is about. Get things right with the Lord. And I know if, if there's a someone, a, a, a deacon, a, a, if you're a lady that comes down, there's another lady you'd like to have a talk with you, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to come down and talk with you and share with you and pray with you. It doesn't have to be me. But what's important, though, is take that step of faith and obedience and respond to God's call in your life, his prompting in your life. Let's stand and pray. Lord God, we come before you, Heavenly Father. You are holy God. And Lord, there is none like you. And Father, may your Holy Spirit do his work today. Lead us, Lord, in, in your ways. Lead us, Lord, as only you can. You've done all the work. We just need to be obedient and follow after you.